Hey guys, let's, could we bring up the house lights? I uh, always feel odd talking to a dark room. There you are. Hi. Good morning. Once you step up on the other side of these lights, you literally can't see anything out there. And uh, I like to know if you're awake or sleeping or agreeing or disagreeing. That's helpful for me to know. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on you this morning. I'm glad Kevin mentioned it today. The, the service last Sunday, every year, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we always just um, take that entire Sunday to do nothing but lift our voices and give praise and thanks to God. And I know they don't want me to say this, but I got to say it anyway. Genuinely, last week's service was something unique in the life of this church. It was uh, it, it was powerful beyond description. If you if you haven't if you weren't here, or you haven't watched it online. I would encourage you to go and do that. Just you know, pull up the video, play it in your car while you're driving, or when you're lying in bed at night staring at the ceiling with 5,000 things racing through your mind and you're trying to sort them all out before you fall asleep, put, put your headphones or earbuds in and, and just listen to that service. <laughs> Truly powerful. And, you know, again, I don't ever want us to take for granted <clears throat> um, how things come about here. It's easy for us to walk in here, find a nice seat, enjoy the service, and leave. But there's so much prep that goes into everything that happens here, and we're so grateful for everybody who steps up to do so many things behind the scenes. Even this morning, getting our communion ready. You know, we've, we've yet to discover uh, little magic fairies who come and do that for us. It just doesn't happen. So somebody has to come early. They have to prepare all this. But, you know, I mention that because last week's service, especially that annual service, uh, there is so much time and effort and planning and communication and rehearsal that goes into making that service happen. And so uh, my sincere thanks to Jaron and Rachel for not only their faithfulness week in and week out, but, but you know, they, they have lives too. <laughs> they have problems. They have things going on. They, they chase their little kids through the house on Sunday morning trying to get their socks on and you know, wiping up the chocolate milk that got spilled and before they come to the service. They, they've got all that just like everybody does. But man, their, um, their commitment to what we're doing here is, is so precious to me. So guys, thank you for that. Um, God really moved in that service last week. And, um, you know, it struck me, <clears throat> every song so beautifully placed with the scriptures that were read if you, if you noticed, every song we sang was just about giving God glory for who he is, for his majesty, his beauty, his splendor, his holiness. You can't go wrong doing that. Um, it transforms the room. I don't, want, I don't want to say that in an odd way, but, but it transforms the room when believers come together and simply worship God, give him praise, give him thanks. So uh, thank you guys. Powerful, powerful service. Now I have to get up here one week later and try to speak. And what we do every year on the Sunday after Thanksgiving is we try to just slow things down, have more of an unplugged service, just something very low key, quiet, just more like family coming together. Um, to, to pause 
before the December rush kicks in uh, to be able to just reflect on God's goodness and give him thanks and share in communion together. So this morning, I want to ask you to turn to a very familiar passage, just um, a, a real short passage we're going to focus on for a few minutes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, right there near the end of your Bible. You go to the end at Revelation and put it in reverse, you'll be in 1 Thessalonians pretty quickly. We know these verses, if we've spent any time in church at all, even sleeping through most of it, we could probably quote these verses. And that's wonderful, but it's also a problem. Because um, when we've heard something so many times, we tend to tune it out. And I'm not even sure that's a conscious thing. I think it's just a human thing. Um, when your mother has called you as a child 19 times to take out the trash, you've only heard like two of those. You, know? you just don't hear things anymore. So there's a caution for us as we come to a familiar passage like this to go, oh yeah, I've, I've heard that since I was a kid. Let's instead really come before the Lord and say, Lord, open this up to me in a, in a new way. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you are a parent, there's something you probably did when your children were younger that all of us parents did when our children were younger. If someone gave your child something, a present or a piece of candy or even a compliment, and that child just stood there, you as a parent would step in and lean down and, and, and say, what do you say? And the child would go, thank you. I mean, has there ever been a less sincere thank you than in that moment? You're forcing the child to say something that should just simply flow out of them naturally, but at a young age, we have to train our children even on things like that. Why? Because we're all born sinners. We're all born with this rotten human flesh that fights us every step of the way. And so we've all had those moments with our children. What do you say? Thank you. Yes, so warm and sincere. The action was carried out but the attitude didn't match the action. And when it comes to our relationship with God, I don't think any of us who are believers want to live our life that way. I don't think that's the kind of relationship we want with God. We desire more than that. We want to mature to the point where we can give God thanks from a, a heart that is truly overflowing, just spilling over with gratitude with thankfulness for him, regardless of what circumstances we're going through. Surely we all want that. How do we get there? How do we go from being a, a baby Christian 
who maybe sometimes needs to be reminded by the people around us, hey, you know, I know things are bad, but be thankful. Be thankful to God. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Is the Bible telling us to do something we can't do? Because that seems like a lot to me. Rejoice always? Really? Pray without ceasing? Give thanks in everything? To understand how important this matter of giving thanks is to God, all we have to do is, is think back on a long time ago as we've been teaching our way through the Bible, especially when we were in... Um, Let's see, Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. <clears throat> we saw God blessing his people. We saw God leading and guiding his people out of slavery into the land he had promised to them. And I mean, God blessed them and he did so many amazing things for them. But the minute they ran into a problem, what did those people do? They started to grumble and complain as if God had never shown up before in their life. It's interesting, you read in Exodus, the crossing of the Red Sea. Like, surely that would imprint itself on us for the rest of our lives. And we'd say, God, you don't need to do anything else for me. I get it. Like, that was mind-blowing. I'm good. But you turn the page, and they're complaining again. Because life's not going their way. And oh, it's easy for us to stand here and look back all those years early and go, what a bunch of ungrateful knuckleheads. Until we leave this church service and get stuck in traffic and start, well, y'all don't cuss, but you know, fussing and banging the steering wheel and whatever you do. And then you go, what am I doing? The other thing that we see is that when these people grumbled and complained, it angered God. It angered God probably equal to the, the only other thing I can think of that angered him as much was idolatry, forsaking him to worship other gods. But you think, wow, that's, that's high up the list of things to anger God. But just being ungrateful, yeah. It angered God to the point where he withdrew himself from his people. The simple act of ingratitude damaged their fellowship with God. God's one desire, we see this throughout the Old Testament, God's one desire, he said it over and over again, is I simply want to dwell among my people. I want to be with them I want them to be my people, and I want to be their God. That was his one desire. But what Israel learned and what we all need to learn is when we withhold thanks, we dispel the presence of God. Thankfulness and praise attract the presence of God. I don't have a verse for this, guys, but Psalm 22 came to mind Psalm 22 says, um, 
Where is God enthroned? And then it gives us the answer. God is enthroned in the praises of his people. It's incredible. God inhabits the praises of his people. So if we want to push God away, live with an ungrateful heart. If you want to attract God, if you want to draw his presence to you, begin to give him thanks. You go, well, it can't be that easy. Yeah, it actually is. The hard part is us giving thanks in all things. Here's an important truth for you. And I, look, I, I'm not so good with, um, what do you call it, English sometimes? <laughs> I, do, I will just tell you up front, I'm not sure if I've worded this correctly, okay? But here's what I'm trying to say. When we give God thanks in the physical realm, it unlocks things in the spiritual realm. Now, I'm going to be very careful with a statement like that. I'm not saying God is a cosmic vending machine, that if we do A, B, and C, then he's going to push the button and pop out a prize for us. It's not what I'm saying. I think we, whatever we call ourselves, I don't like labels, we conservative evangelical Christians, I think we have tended to err on the side of not talking about the supernatural and the spiritual realm that we have access to through Christ. I think, I think, and I put myself in this group, I think we've erred in a caution of, you know, well, we don't want to get out there with the crazy, you know, people swinging from the chandeliers and whatever, and barking like a dog in the service. But listen, I, I think in making that error out of caution, I think we've missed what I'm trying to say here, and if I've said it wrong, forgive me. Something we can work through together. This is my best shot. But when we give thanks in the physical realm, what the Bible tells us is that that process of physically giving thanks to God activates something in the spiritual realm. So when God's word tells us to give thanks in everything, it's not just saying, do it because I said so. It's telling us to do it so that our spiritual lives will reap the benefits that come from doing it. But here's the catch, and I don't need to tell you this. Giving thanks in everything doesn't come naturally to us. It does not come naturally to us in the physical realm. So how are we supposed to carry these verses out? Rejoice always. And we don't even have time to, to look at the first two little verses. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. I just want to focus on 18 today. In everything, give thanks. How, how do we do that? Because I can tell you, I don't, uh, I don't face every situation in life with, oh boy, this is exciting. Flat tire on 385 at 11 o'clock at night. Woohoo! Thank you, Lord. It's just not natural. That's kind of weird, too, but, you know, to have that sort of approach. He's not telling us to, to thank God for the fact that your spouse got cancer. He's not telling you to thank God for that wayward child, for getting laid off, for that best friend 
abandoning you. It, it doesn't tell us to be thankful for those things. That's just bizarre. Jesus wept. He hurt. He suffered just from being in this physical body and this physical life. And so we do those things. We, we get hurt by life. We have to deal with that. And yet, we're called to give thanks in all circumstances. You know, as parents, when, when we had to remind our children to say thank you, our long-term goal in doing that was, was not to train them to um, give cold, heartless gratitude the rest of their lives. Our desire was to, over time, help them develop a genuine heart of thankfulness. And what we see in that simple example is, and this is something that has been lost on us as modern Christians. There are certain areas in which you and I have to exercise spiritual discipline over and over and over again in order to mature and develop godly character. Even when we don't fully understand it and even when we don't feel like it. You go back and you read the writings of believers from earlier centuries. You read the Puritans. Very uptight people, it seems to us in our culture. And you read writings before that, back to Augustine. Back in the old days, there's a theme to all of their writing which is absent from books today. And that is... <clears throat> Spiritual disciplines. You, you just don't find it nowadays. Once in a while you do. The act of spiritual disciplines, of doing certain things that are right over and over again, whether you feel like it or not, so that by doing that, we will build those spiritual muscles that we need to mature and to become like Christ. Because this spiritual life does not come naturally for us. The choices that you and I make again and again, the right choices that we make again and again, are where the muscles of spiritual integrity and character are developed. You know, you could take a professional athlete, someone who understands the physical body and, and health and nutrition and exercise, and if that professional athlete only lifted weights two days a year, they would never gain any muscle. But you take a complete novice, a person who commits himself to lifting weights every day for a year, even if he knows nothing about it. If he makes a commitment to lift weights every day for a year, he's going to see astounding results. And the same principle is true when it comes to building an attitude of thankfulness into our life. It's not something that comes naturally. We must train ourselves to say, Lord, this situation here, I'm honestly having a hard time giving you thanks, but I'm going to anyway. You go, well, that doesn't seem too spiritual. Yeah, again, we've lost the understanding of spiritual disciplines. 
Now, if everything in life always went perfectly, then I think maybe we could do a fair job of giving thanks in everything. But that would merely be reflective of a person who's giving reactionary thanks, giving thanks because their circumstances are good, just like the people in the Old Testament. Ooh, God provided water in the desert. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a good God. Uh, we got no water today. What a lousy God. He doesn't care about us at all. You see, it's the up and down Christian life based on our circumstances. That what we're called to do is to give thanks in all circumstances, good and bad. But of course, <clears throat> life doesn't go that way. Life doesn't go perfectly all the time. Problems arise. Relationships get strained. Um, pain and sickness and heartache and loss are, are frequent companions on the road of life. So how can we ever be expected to give thanks in everything? Well, here's another important truth. This is so simple, but it's, it's so necessary for us to get this. Giving thanks is a choice. It's not a mood. It's not a feeling. Again, I know it's, it's sort of stripping away all the mystical spirituality about this thing of giving thanks. Like, it's choice. It's just that simple. Thankfulness is a disciplined response to life's challenges. And giving thanks to God, even when we don't feel like it, it, it affirms our trust in God. Because <clears throat> what we're declaring is that God, you are in control of my circumstances, not me. The circumstances are not in control of me. God, I'm declaring, I'm giving you thanks in this circumstance. I'm declaring that you are in control of everything, and I trust you with it. And it's that ever-strengthening character brought about by our choice to give thanks that can carry the weight of whatever God is doing in our lives. I mentioned earlier that giving thanks in the physical realm activates something or unlocks something in the spiritual realm. <clears throat> Did you know in the Old Testament, and we haven't gotten, we've touched on this once, um, but we'll get to it more in Nehemiah. In the Old Testament, there were people who were assigned the job of giving thanks to God. Imagine this conversation. Hey, nice to meet you. What do you do? Oh, I'm a furniture maker. Wow, interesting. Wow. What about you? What do you do? Uh, I give thanks. Hmm? I, I'm a thanks giver. What, what, is, what does that mean? Well, every morning I get up and I'm given a list of things to thank God for, and I go and I stand in God's presence all day, and I give him thanks. Now, in our culture, we hear that and we go, you know, that sounds so formal and ritualistic. How could there ever be any life in that? But listen, listen. Again, our culture, we've missed this. There is a powerful secret in that routine. By giving thanks you bypass your own fears and limitations, and 
you invite God's limitless power to take over by giving thanks. It activates a powerful response from God. One of the best examples I can think of on this was back in the Old Testament. We saw this back in um, 2 Chronicles. King, King Jehoshaphat was facing an army that he simply could not defeat. So he went to God and prayed, asked for wisdom. God, what, what do I do? We're going to get obliterated. God said, you don't need to fight. Just be still, look to me, give me praise, and I'll take care of it. So instead of fighting, they chose to praise God in the face of an enemy. Now, I just want to read these for you because I can't summarize this well enough. Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, watch this. This is on the battlefield. He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Verse 22. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, what happened? The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. What a military strategy that is. Even good old Sun Tzu missed that in his classic book, The Art of War. He missed that. As brilliant as that book is, he missed that one. Giving thanks in the physical realm unlocks things in the spiritual realm. In everything, give thanks. I fear that we've tended to see that as a cold, harsh command. That God is asking us to do something we simply cannot do. In everything, give thanks. It's not a cold, harsh command. It's an invitation It's an invitation to discover the power of God moving from the spiritual realm into the physical realm, doing things that nothing besides giving thanks can accomplish. Well, the last part says something quite astounding. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Wait, it's the will of God? To give thanks? That's God's will? You know, one of the most commonly asked questions among Christians is, to pastors, is, how do I find God's will for my life? And and what what they mean when they ask that is, does God want me to become a school teacher, a beautician, a a mechanic, an engineer, a dentist? And, and, you know, that's a valid pursuit. It's a valid thing to seek God about. But but I want to tell you this. I don't think God is nearly as concerned about you finding that will for your life as he is about you living out this will 
when he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The first will of God that we should be aiming for as Christians is, God, who do you want me to be? And then, God, what do you want me to do? God, what work do you need to do internally in me to make me more like your son? I want to work on that first, God. I want to be who you want me to be, and then, God, we'll talk about what you want me to do. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. Folks, there's power behind those words like we cannot imagine. You go, well, I don't feel like giving thanks. That's why it's a choice. As I close, I, I have to tell you, um, I wrestled with this message. Whew. Because I never want to stand up here um, teaching you something that I'm being a hypocrite about. I really wrestled with whether I could bring this or not. In everything, give thanks, Phil. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I really, I really had to uh, search my heart on this one. And you know, today's message is a shorter message because we're having communion now. You would think this would be easier, less thought, less prayer, less study, less writing, less editing. but I really wrestled with this one. Because honestly, um, these past almost two years now, I've struggled with my health more than I ever have my whole life. I felt progressively worse over the last two years when I was told I would feel better (laughs) Every morning I wake up feeling horrible. I barely have enough strength to make it through the day. This has affected my family. It's affected this church. I'm looking at some of you men right here who just in recent weeks I had to reschedule a meeting with. Just say, I'm sorry, I, can't, I, don't, I don't have any more energy today. We'll have to do it another time. And that's not me. That's never been me. Now, I will say I have <clears throat> I have entrusted this to the Lord. I've made every effort not to let it show in public, but I've fallen way short of that mark. And so I had to ask myself, do I need to? Just scrub this message today 
and we'll just sing or talk or pray, fellowship, came real close. The only reason I'm telling you this is because I know that in different ways, some of you are there. Different circumstances, different details, but you're there. And the reason I move forward with this, with, I believe, an honest heart before the Lord, is because I wanted you to know that the people who stand up here don't have it all together. I, I stand here today as an example of just a fellow believer who has not handled all of this as well as I really wanted to. <clears throat> but in spite of that, and this was the encouragement I wanted to give you, in spite of all that stuff, in spite of my personal struggles and failures and frustrations and exhaustion with all of this, I'll close by telling you this, that God has been faithful to me even when I feel like I've failed. Sandy will tell you, there have been days when I've said, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And I didn't just mean this. I meant life. Like, I can't do this. But I want to stand here before you today and testify of God's goodness and faithfulness. And I want to give him thanks publicly. I would have written this completely different. Because I'm such a genius, you know. I apparently know how to run my life. You know, I had some talks with God like, what are you doing? You've got the wrong person. Like, back off, you know? I want to encourage you today as we close that if you're in a place this morning where you just feel overwhelmed by the circumstances of life, you just feel crushed. And, and maybe you're contemplating coming to the Lord's table now and you're struggling to even know what you can give thanks for. I want to say to you, I invite you to come. I invite you to come. This is for broken people. And wherever you are in life, whatever you're carrying, whatever you're struggling with, however you feel like you've failed as a follower of Christ, you can come to this table this morning, and there's at least one thing you can be thankful for. You can be thankful that God loves, loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you, to take the punishment for all your sins, the ones you committed in the past, the ones you'll commit today, the ones you'll commit in the future. He paid for all of those because he loves you. 
And you can give thanks that because of that, you've been made righteous before God and you have eternity in heaven. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, now don't miss this. I close with this. Don't miss this. The Lord Jesus, on the same night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Did you catch it? On the same night, Jesus was betrayed. That's a bad night, folks. On the same night he was betrayed, he gave thanks. I pray that God will enable us by his spirit to live in such a way that the same testimony could be true of us. That in all circumstances, whatever they are, we understand the power of giving thanks. Even when we fall down a thousand times, as someone said, get back up a thousand and one times. As you come this morning, um, you do not need to be a member of this church. That doesn't matter at all. You just need to be a member of the body of Christ. If you're saved, we invite you to come and participate in this. If you're not saved, you can be saved right now and you can join us in this. And when you come, the, uh, the bread is in a cup, and then the juice cup is placed down in that cup. So all you have to do is just pick up the pear, and you'll have the bread and the juice. Let's pray together. Lord, I, th I thank you for um, the real privilege that it is for me to be able to stand here this morning as um, just a, a fellow pilgrim on this journey of life with all my brothers and sisters here, knowing that we all um, are facing something and we all have a choice. We all have a choice. Just like the Israelites in the Old Testament, we can give thanks or we can complain. We can believe or we can doubt. Lord, at this season of the year when we, we pause and the best we can uh, focus on giving thanks, I pray this morning, Lord, whatever burden, whatever concerns that anyone here is carrying whatever circumstances they find themselves in that they wish they weren't in. Lord, for all of us, I pray, would you give us hearts of genuine thanksgiving? 
regardless of our surroundings. I pray that we could all genuinely lift our eyes to you and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you've done for me. Make us grateful people, Lord. We come now to this table remembering the sacrifice that your son made for us, and we come with grateful hearts. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a broadcast from LifePoint Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time, may God bless you as you continue to follow Him. Of my heart, I want to see.